All right, you ready to do this so we can go eat tacos? Yeah, I'm actually having a roast tonight. Roast tacos? Uh, <laughs> chuck roast. But you know what? I do got some tortillas sitting right there on top of the microwave, so I'll just throw it in, right? RBD it actually might be pretty fucking good, man. Some, like, nice, tender fucking... Uh, if we talked about that, that burrito style yet, tacos? No, me and you? I don't think so. Oh, my God, dude. You gotta... Let me show them to you real quick. It, it's pretty much like this, the new flavor, like style that's taken off. I think it's like more of a like Korean base sort of deal or something like that. But, ah, the Koreans. Ah. But, uh, I know I got it somewhere. Hold on a minute. But, I mean, they're fucking good, but it is like, it's a slow cooked almost like stew into a taco huh and then the salsa is almost like a soup kind of deal huh for dipping it's these I sent them to you Yeah, it's like sweet, got a little spice to it. And then that sauce there, you use that as like a dipper. So it's like your huh. salsa. Pretty unique. Interesting. Interesting. All right, hit the oven. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. <laughs> is Hitting the Marks, a podcast that's got topics for days and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother assholes that like to talk about everything. News, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to the Hitting the Marks podcast online. Hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, HackerHameen.Podbean.com, Hameen Media Group.Podbean.com. Jesus, Huckleberry, we got so much stuff to plug in. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the guy who just took a drink of water. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. You got to make sure that those pipes are ready to go. Yeah, it, it, hey. It takes me like all week to get ready for this to belt this thing out. But yes, it's me, it's me. It's that honor, the beat of the V. Richard Bronson, Vickery. And, and you're right, man. It just seems each and every week, a, another another group out there wants a piece of Jargo and RBV. So, you know, just network after network picking us up here. We, we got to put them over. Hey, but more the merrier, man. We, bring them all on board. Yeah, yeah, we want them all. We want them all. You know, it, it's funny. You talk about the HTM rub. 
I, I, I saw a perfect example of the HTM rub last night. Ring of Honor is back and they're running shows again, getting ready for Final Battle 2020. That's going to be their first pay-per-view of the year, believe it or not. And, of course, we have no idea who the title contenders are because, you know, they were off for like nine months. So they had a number one contenders tournament and the final two guys standing there, Shane Taylor versus Brody King. No matter what, the HTM rub lives on. Brody King getting the big win. So it'll be Brody King versus Roosh at Final Battle 2020 for the Ring of Honor Championship. Shout out to our boys, man. Brody King and Shane Taylor. We knew a way back when. Hey, big big things happen. Big things happen all around the HTM network. Man. Hey, and, and the HMG. And on that HMG, you know, so. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, Huckleberry, it, it, it's been basically a week since we, we really got to sit down and talk, and I was kind of incognito this weekend. You were kind of incognito this weekend. How was your weekend, man? What's your weekend update? Well, you've got the uh, the holidays are in the books. So Thanksgiving holiday is now we turn that page, and I guess now we're full swing holiday season, right? Uh, the calendar has changed over. It's December 1st. We're looking towards all the festivities that are ahead for us. Oh, uh, babe, I was with you. I was rather low key. It wasn't about really the turkey or the trimmings, you know, where you could find me. Booth number seven at my favorite local Waffle House. So I was enjoying it. It was an all star Thanksgiving for the RBV. Very nice. Very nice. I went to my mom's. We had a taco bar for Thanksgiving. So uh, that, that was interesting. You know, you drive two and a half hours to get there, uh, sit there for an hour and a half and, and visit with like four people so you can get back in the car and drive two and a half hours home. Yeah. It, the things that we do for the holidays, you know, but now, only if, only if there was some sort of outlet or platform or networking device where you could conversate. With, with individuals from those long distances like that. Man, are, are your parents down with technology to that level? Like, could you guys do a Zoom call Thanksgiving? Because there's no way my mom could figure that out. There's no freaking way. Yeah, you know, what? one of the things, you know, that was most heartbreaking about losing grandpa uh, about a month ago, uh, just, yeah, just, just a little over a month ago, we said goodbye to him there. Uh, is that we spent actually right before he went into the hospital, we spent about four hours teaching him how to use the ATM, and it, now it's all for nothing. Man, that's sad. That's sad. Saturday night, I sat down. I watched myself the UFC show so I could get on with uh, Javed and Coach over at uh, the Cage Theory podcast. So I, my evening was pretty much spent watching people beat one another up. We're going to talk about Tyson versus Jones a little bit later on in the show. I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, one of the things that I've done the most over the course of this pandemic, Rick, I've tried to catch up on my reading. Not that I'm actually sitting down and reading books because that doesn't interest me whatsoever. But I figured out that I can listen to books on tape. And it's kind of like listening to a podcast, right? So I can put in my earbuds at work and listen to somebody read me a book. And one of my favorite political commentators is this guy. His name's Greg Gutfeld. And he's my favorite because he's not really a political commentator. He's like this punk rock comedian guy who just happens to be on Fox News. It's absolutely hilarious. But he wrote a new book that's called The Plus. And it's all about, you know, you make everything in your life a plus or a minus. It's a self-help book for people who hate self-help. Thought it was catchy. So I listened to the book and the book stinks. 
I was not a fan of the book whatsoever, but he did have one idea in there that I really, really took to, and it's called The Prison of Two Ideas. And it's very much what I'm seeing going on inside of this election where, you know, you can believe Joe Biden won this election. Stop counting. There's absolutely no reason to look at anything. And then there's the people on the other side that are like, oh, no, 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 no. President Trump won this in a landslide. He got 74 million votes. It's 10 million more votes than he got last time. You're trying to tell me that Joe Biden outperformed Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both and blah, 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 blah. And it's don't be a prisoner to two ideas. There is room inside of the middle. You can believe, like me, that Joe Biden is probably going to be the 46th president of the United States of America. You can also believe that there are plenty of inconsistencies throughout the country and looking at this election to see there's something wrong. And we need to look at it before it does become a giant problem that would overturn an election. Rick, I I keep hearing all this talk about the election, and we're just talking about Georgia and Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Arizona. There's inconsistencies all over the place. We're not going to overturn the vote in California. California clearly went for Joe Biden, but there is some wonky ass shit going on in California that I would love to see investigated. Why are people just so, it's got to be this way or that way. Just, Just use a little bit of logic and look at what's going on. Well, I think absolutely. This is what we regularly talk about here on the show. It's that, you know, it's you're approaching any topic. You, you take that pause. You breathe a moment on your initial thought, but then you take that long 360 walk around it and start looking at it from every angle. And you're going to see that there is there's just not one or two problems. There's a dozen or so more problems inside of our election system. And this is one of those, you know, I regularly say, you know, when we're talking about the pandemic here in state to state, there isn't a blanket answer. To me, this is one of those issues where we are dealing with something on a truly national level. We are sending representatives to, you know, to the Senate and the Congress and to the White House. There needs to be a uniform solution across the board here just to hold these individual states, these individuals that are handling these systems, to hold them responsible. Uh, That is that's what really drives me here with so many systems in place. How do you get to the root of if you want to call them evils or just issues and and begin solving these. You know, Carly and I were watching TV the other night and I, it was late at night. We were watching ancient aliens. I think it was love that freaking show Friday nights. You betcha. And they were showing like this infomercial, like one of those like 60 second infomercials for this like egg thing. And it looks like a giant egg and you like steam the egg and then you put it in the microwave for a little bit. And like the, the, the shell just peels right off the egg. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah. Someone that is, watches television well into the, the wee hours. Uh, yeah. So I look over at Carly and I say, you mean to tell me we figured out how to create that and we can't figure out how to fucking count. Like there, there are still counting fucking ballots. Well, no, I think the, here's an issue. We know how to count. Now it's just a manipulation of of the statistics we finally got a winner for iowa district two yesterday and it came down to six votes there was a difference of six votes 
Well, we're acting like right now, and this is what kills me. And I regularly have this conversation with individuals that we've we've never had turmoil like this in our country. We've never had these kinds of issues with our election. And and to that, I say I I call bullshit. Absolutely call bullshit on that. This is something, you know, when you are having scandal involved with politics and elections, it it goes back to it is as old as politics and elections and scandals themselves. They go hand in hand. We are just now at a point here where we have got such tremendous divide that, as you pointed out at the top of the show there, Jargo, it's it's one way or the other. And no one is willing to kind of walk that fine line or even take a step into the other side's camp to try to get a sound understanding of the real issues at hand. What's really the problems that are on the table in front of us. We're turning a blind eye to that so that certain individuals can simply have it their way. It's, you know, it's my way or the highway kind of mentality. Well, and like... Just a, a very, very simple one, right? These Dominion voting software systems, right? That everybody at this point, I think, has realized there is a problem with the Dominion voting software. And we know this. People have been talking about this literally for years. Texas refused to use it back in 2016, right? There's all kinds of problems with this voting software. We know this. We're getting ready for this big election in Georgia. Guess what they're going to use? The Dominion voting software. Like, what the fuck are we doing? We know there is a problem with this. And everybody acknowledges it. For God's sake, Elizabeth Warren has come out and spoke about the Dominion software. Amy Klobuchar has come out and talked about the Dominion software. Like, this is not a partisan issue. We realize this software is fucked. So George is like, yep, we're going to use that on January 5th. Are you fucking kidding me? In comparison to you're talking about the the uh, the incredible edible egg gimmick that we've got going on late night television, our election system, it is rather it is pretty much like a, a late night info commercial. One of those you'll see it's, it's going to fix your back pain, but it's going to cause also possibly cause severe diarrhea, headache, uh, potential heart attack. It's it's. It's simply what we have here in our system. Again, we do need a a more uniformed system put in the place across this board so that you don't have, you know, just whatever your state might be. And this isn't an attack against any certain group uh, that might have influence in an area, but it's at all these agendas, red, blue, whatever the case might be, you've got these people that have tremendous influence in these certain areas and it, Ultimately, they're manipulating the system for the worse. They're not moving us forward, and they're not uniting and bringing anyone together. That is the bigger issue here. It's it's just crazy watching all of this go on. I mean, even this potential of, you know, like the Trump team convincing you know the state legislatures not to bring out their electors for the Electoral College and all this other stuff. And, and, and you listen to some of the media and they're like, oh, my God, this is just so unprecedented, you know, since the last time it happened. Now, granted, the last time it happened was like 120 years ago. But, you know, this isn't like, you know, the, the most regular of occurrences where you have an election that was this close. Well, I really do see here where it is hey, Trump and them. And it seems that they realize this is late in the game. They're grasping under, at straws at this point. Un, under, the, under the two, it's fourth quarter under the two minute warning and they pretty much have one hail Mary left. Yep. And it looks like that's going to come down here when they take to the floor to cast, you know, those official electoral votes coming up on the 14th. Correct. Is it even worth it? 
I mean, because you know what's going to happen. If they overturn this election and Donald Trump remains in office for the next four years, you know what's going to happen. I mean, like, we're, we're, we're just a powder keg waiting to explode right now. If they actually overturn this election, it's, it's going to pop off. Is it even worth it? You know, from the get-go, what I've been saying here, is there something corrupt? Is there something wrong? Absolutely. And it's just, you know, what we just discussed, there are bigger issues here than simply a red versus blue, a hatred for Trump or, you know, the the over-loving Trump, you know, Trump army. What this is creating is just further driving the two sides apart. At this point, no matter who is sitting in the White House, if it be Biden or Trump, we are absolutely looking at a completely wasted four years ahead of us where you're going to simply have this tit for tat bickering back and forth where not even just one side is going to be able to get anything done, but we're completely eliminating the potential to bring these sides together again, to try to move forward as a country. We're just going to get more bickering back and forth for the next four years at it really is just because it's been drawn out to this point. I would have really preferred, and I'm not saying you know that you you back down, you throw in the towel immediately here. I am glad now that we are getting news with some resistance, continued resistance. They are beginning the the transition phase to let Biden and his staff and those come in and start, you know, just, just taking over the, a little bit of the reins for the daily operation there at the White House. But uh, but again, I would have preferred if Trump could have taken a step back from this thing. OK. Under the current format of this system, they've got me, but something smells rotten at this core. I'm going to let the process play out here, but I'm not completely done yet. We do have bigger issues. And I think, you know, Trump could have been an individual to eventually once he leaves the office there, that could have easily stepped aside from the party lines. And again, had taken that loyal base with him. And maybe at that time, too, you, you you really get a good swing of independents who are still out there that just simply just don't trust the system or tired for voting for the lesser of two terrible options. He could have done something to kind of evolve himself and taken himself to that next level. And again, you know, Trump's a worker. Workers are going to work. And this would have promoted him to that next spot. And, you know, eventually it was just what made him more money down the line. I, I just feel like at this point, the when you look at the cost-benefit ratios of Trump remaining in office, shit's going to pop off. I'm telling you, it, it's going to pop off, and it ain't going to be good. I don't, I'm just to the point right now, I don't think that we are going to to get anything done, and especially if you know this talk here, this last Hail Mary of – you know, the Republican representatives going there and disputing or denying the, the, the votes that are cast on the floor and, and attempt to hold this thing off. Uh, to me, it, it's not a, a last heroic act to to correct this terrible wrong. Essentially, to me, it's shutting down a country for the next four years. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. So let's move on. Let's talk about something happier. Let's move into our COVID coverage because, you know, that's where, that's where all the big money's at these days. And let's talk about zombies. I want a zombie. Yeah, the zombie minks. Huckleberry, we have been all over this story since the very beginning of Denmark euthanizing their mink population. And they stupid. 
They didn't bury the minks deep enough. They only buried this mass grave of minks three feet deep. And thanks to biological decomposition and whatnot, the minks are rising from the dead. Well, it, it sounds way cooler than it actually is, but they are rising because they only buried them three feet deep. There's a reason that you dig a six-foot grave, and it's so that this shit doesn't happen. Did you see the pictures of this? This thing is terrifying. I, I did just, I guess a little recap for those that maybe had missed it here on the Hit Any Marks podcast. Was it just last week or two weeks ago that we had covered this It's been a couple thing? weeks now. Yeah. Okay. So you had, and you were rather outraged by this, Jarka. Well, this you're talking, the nerve okay, with you. There are 15 million minks in Denmark. There are roughly 5 million people. 264 people got sick because, or con. They, they caught coronavirus from these minks with this specific mutation. None of them died from it, but they caught it. So, so we, we have cause, to cause so, cases with zero deaths because of the potential of the, the minks carrying of an ad- adaptation of the coronavirus. So murder all the minks. Get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, this is horse shit. And now the, the the minks are back and they want revenge. Night of the living minks. Yeah, I mean, so to bring this kind of full circle for everyone here, just to, to give you, to paint that that visual for you and how absurd this is, it's just a ridiculous story. So from the get-go here, the the government there in Denmark, they decide, you no, know, the best option in, instead of, they're going to full panic mode. Apparently, this is just not a, a United States thing. This is a global thing where... The term cases now means casualties. So at this point here, they they have got just a small amount of minks that are carrying this thing, and they are linking back to, what would you only say, a couple hundred Yeah, 264, if I remember right. 264 in their citizens that they believe caught this through the minks carrying the virus. So they're going to go ahead and try to just wipe the minks off the face of the, the earth there. Uh, They're taking care of everything that they can there in Denmark. So to dispose of these bodies, they they just do a mass grave. Uh, But we got to we got to cut it all. You got to cut corners, man. It's a rough economy out there across the globe. There's no time. There's no resources to go six feet. They put them three feet deep. And then in the decomposing transitions there, the minks release certain gases, correct? And that pushes them to the surface. Yeah. And and now... There is a real pollution issue because the creepy carcasses, this is this is literally from the newyorkpost.com, right? The creepy carcasses could cause phosphorus and nitrogen pollution. So now they have an even bigger problem on their hands because of the zombie minks. God damn it, Denmark. And it, this just sounds like something like a, a perfect script for a late night sci-fi channel movie. Man, it really, really does. You know, like the Sharknados and yeah. Lava Lantula. Lava Lantula is one of my personal favorites. I watch that every year when it's on. Are, are you a fan of those like horrible B movies? Uh, I'll get into to a kick on. I haven't. What is the last one you said? Lava. Lava Lantula. Lantula. I, I haven't seen or even heard of that one. Of oh, it's I've a giant that. tarantula that lives at the Earth's core, and it comes out out of the fucking molten lava and shit, and it can shoot like lava fireballs. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah, dude! I, you got to see I, this I've fucking movie. Yeah, I've seen the uh, 
the Sharknados. I've seen those. Uh, I I do Love like Sharknado. the uh, the zombies versus wrestlers. Yes, that, that's a good one. There, we all the great cameos in there. Did you ever uh, see uh, zombie strippers? Uh, not the movie. Oh, it's fantastic, man! It stars Jenna Jameson. Well, I know what I'm doing this evening. There you go. Zombie strippers. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but the, the minks rise again, will rise again. And I guess, too, you know, this isn't just a Denmark issue. And we're getting this in the States. Well, and, and, and this is the thing that's getting kind of scary for me, right? So there's a minx farm in Oregon now. Why is it always fucking Oregon? Like, what is going on in Oregon all of a sudden? Minx Farm in Oregon has been placed under quarantine after a coronavirus outbreak was reported amongst the workers and the animals. Rick, if if this continues, you know what's going to happen. They're coming for your pets. That's what's going to happen. All the dogs and everything, if the, if the dogs start catching this shit, they're coming for your pets. Well, and this is going to be the case, though, you know when things are going to get serious here in Western society. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter about really about the elderly or, you know, those in poverty in sick, uh, you know, if they, if they have maybe a mental illness. Uh, none of that's really going to seem to matter. You start going after someone's household pets. It, you're going to see a serious can of whoop ass opened on uh, against those and trying to enforce these regulations and all that. You start telling individuals they can't take their dogs outside or. I even need a worst case to potentially start putting animals down. You're yeah. going to get a hellacious backlash. You want to talk about uniting a country. You know, it doesn't, it's not going to take our leaders there in Washington. Uh, it's going to take an open attack on people's, you know, puppies and kittens or, or whatever the, the little furry forever might be at home. You begin an attack on them, you'll see this country unite in a way you've never seen it unite before. Yeah, this coronavirus outbreak amongst the minks, and it's not just Oregon now. It's also happening in Utah. It's also happening in Michigan. It's also happening in Wisconsin. They've had like 14,000 minks die just in Utah and Wisconsin. Um, The other thing that I, I see as a potential here that really, really is bothersome to me as somebody who lives in the Midwest and enjoys eating a lot of pork and beef, what what happens if cows and pigs become susceptible to this thing? Like, are we all going to have to become fucking vegans? Oh man, you talk about worst case scenario, but I mean, it, this is you know, and there are these again. These are those bigger issues and questions that we should have been asking this entire this entire time. Is you know, is this just something that that? Humans have to worry about, could this be widespread? What different mutations to different DNA kind of forms? You know, and... and, and it be a hell of a ride. And some people think that I just go crazy with this stuff. Like, my friend Todd is convinced that I'm, like, paranoid schizophrenic, and I'm pretty well con- convinced that he's right. But, you know, and, and, like, you know, we were talking about the religious head coverings last week and, you know, your, your religious rights, and we have to live up to your religious rights. And I'm like, okay, well, what about jihad? And it's like, yeah, okay, okay. so granted, I take it to the far freaking extreme, but is it really that far-fetched? I mean, what what if cows start catching coronavirus? Can, can we not eat cows anymore? Because fuck that. I, I, those veggie burgers and shit? No. No. I have no desire to eat that. None. You know, it's, it's what they do. You know, you're seeing 
what is it? The uh, obviously the Beyond Burgers have been a big thing here for a while. Now you're starting to see like. Are they you know, big can, in Ohio? Because that shit ain't catching on in Iowa, man. Well, I mean, they, they try to push it. And, and you know, there's, there's certain agendas where they want you. It's one of those they want you to believe this is much more popular than it is. My counter thing to that is, is always you're trying to convince me. Or, you know, they, when they do like meatless chili or something like that. Ugh. Well, you can't tell the difference. The fuck I can't. It, it tastes just like it. Well, then, no. Then if it tastes just like it, then I'll just eat the regular thing. I, I've right? never in my life have tried to convince someone, oh, don't worry about it. It tastes just like a vegetable. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I just... <sighs> it, it, I, it really bothers me. It really bothers me. Let's talk about California. Give me meat or give me death. Let's talk about California. Um... We have been wondering what in the world is going on in California for quite a while. But now th this hypocritical governor that they have out there, Gavin Newsom, um, this guy is quickly like climbing the list of people who piss me off the most, Huckleberry. I, I, I can't stand this guy. I can't even stand his smug fucking face. Yeah, hey, if he's rising on your list, I mean, is is he jumped Yano yet? I mean, where where are we exactly looking at here on your Ooh. top ten? Or Ooh. Well, right now I think right now I think it's it's Yano, AOC, Cuomo, Newsom, Feinstein, Pelosi. I think I think that is is the list right now as it stands. Uh, yeah, it's, you got California. You know, just continue to be. You know, last week we we took our shot at the East Coast cesspool. Obviously, we you know we're we're switching gears here, East Coast, West Coast, whatever it might be. Just two terrible places. They, when we talk about just complete drains on our society as we try to move forward, California right there at the top of this list. And again, you know, it's they're speaking out of one side, but really, and they're just speaking out of their ass on everything here. Uh, and they want the, you know, they want the country to kind of look to them for leadership when uh, these clowns just can't even just get out of their own way. You know, this guy, he says, if trends continue, we're going to have to take much more drastic, arguably drastic actions. Dramatic, arguably drastic actions. What the fuck does that mean in California? Because, like, California's already been kind of whacked out about this shit. I mean, for God's sake, the San Francisco 49ers can't even go home. They can't go home. Well, I mean, you got here, I mean, just in, in our, you know, these, and I'm not really even trusting any kind of, we'll call them stats because I, I'm not going to even dignify them as facts here. Uh, but they are claiming here in the in the last two weeks, hospitalizations have increased by 89%. Okay, but this is one of those things that really just torques my tits, and I see it on a daily goddamn basis working, right? They, they keep telling us about the number of hospitalizations. They went up 26%. They went up at 89%. They're, they're, they're down 17%. But they never give you the baseline. If I don't know what the baseline is, how am I supposed to know what right. going up 89%? If there was two people and now there's four, that's a 100% increase. 
Well, and what you get here, it's what we're talking about there. You know, they're, it's that scare tactic. They hit you with that big number. They don't want to give you the baseline. They don't want to actually give you the true facts. They don't want to give you the entire equation. They just want to give you the manipulated answer that they have come up with to their formula. Uh, you, you've got, they said here, near, you know, as of Monday, nearly 7,800 corona patients were hospitalized. Okay. You know what the population of California is? There you go. I mean, you have to step back and ask these bigger questions. 7,800 people hospitalized and a population of 39.5 million. Well, and what really throws me off here is about 12% of these Californians testing positive are likely to need hospital care within the next two to three weeks. Where the hell are we getting this estimate at here? I, there's so much of this shit, man, that it, it just feels like we're just making shit up as we go along at this point. You know, I, intensive care cases up 67% in the last two weeks. But we have no idea how many there were to begin with. If that continues, ICU beds will push 112% capacity by mid-November. That was one of the stories that I was hearing about one of the hospitals here locally, right? That, you know, they were functioning at like 167% capacity. And I was like, how in the fuck does that work? And then I look up like the total number of hospitalizations in the entire state versus the number of hospital beds in this one hospital. And it would be like a third of the way full. What they're talking about, they've made specific COVID units inside of these hospitals now, right? But they never tell you how many beds are in that COVID unit. The one locally is 15. And they were at 167% capacity, so they had like 32 people. Yeah, again, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And we're getting more of this smoke show, not even smoke show, this absolute bullshit from a state that it ranks number one in debt, you know, that, that's well over $151 billion. Well, you know what it is. You know what it is. Gavin Newsom wants an international Emmy. He wants the same treatment that Cuomo is getting in New York. So now we got to start doing more press conferences, throw out more scary statistics so I can come on tomorrow and explain the scary statistics. And then I can show you all kinds of graphs and shit. I want my Emmy. We're looking at a uh, $287.79 billion debt for California. So as they as they continue to talk here, and you're looking at and what they're let's say threatening, what they're threatening is that they'll have stay at home orders for what is it here, 51 of their 58 counties. Again, financially crushing their local economy. Where are they expecting this bailout again, California? Uh, you're turning to the rest of us. You're you're turning to all of those in the middle of these great states of ours that you have chastised that you have mocked for so long because they're they're not on your progressive level that you know we're not worried about you know over the top saving whatever an environment where they focus on their own survival you know how they're going to get by and and really just take care of their own and their families here uh, again they're going to have to turn to the rest of this country to pull their balls out of the fire because of another massive misfire by this absolute, well, hell, I mean, their their joke 
of leadership, their their joke of agendas, and really just their fundamental thought process there in California. Just absolutely baffling what's going on out there in California. And then by comparison, Huckleberry, there's Texas. You know, in Texas where they just walk around with guns all the time, and if you piss me off, I will fucking shoot you because it's Texas and they don't have time for that bullshit. A lot of people leaving California and heading for Texas, and that's basically what's happening in Austin, Texas. I kind of want to go on the other side of the state. Huckleberry, you set up this interview for us with uh, Miss Hannah Hitchcock and Jordan Hyman from the Adopt-A-Server USA program. Um, we conducted the interview before we started recording earlier today. I thought there was some interesting stuff in here. I really, really like this project they got going. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, from somebody – uh, a little bit of a lead in here for the ladies and what um, what we're going to talk with them about again, as Jugger said, is adopt a server USA. And by server, we're talking about those that work in in the bars and restaurants that, that are bringing you your, your food and drink. And everybody, you know, as we're talking coast to coast in, in some way, shape or form has, has been greatly affected by you know the COVID, the regulations and mandates, the shutdowns that have taken place. But maybe when we're talking about those out there in the workforce, maybe none so much as those frontline servers in the, in the hospitality industry. Uh, so what these ladies have done is they kind of piggybacked on some ideas that we've seen regionally. And they have taken this thing coast to coast. Again, it is Adopt-A-Server USA. They are on Facebook. I guess the, the best way to put it out there is let them explain this tremendous movement they've got. We'll be right back after the interview. All right, so we are back with two very, very special guests. We are we are bringing in some founders, Huckleberry. We got some actual experts to get on here and actually listen to us. Uh, coming to us by way of Texas, we have the founders of the Adopt-A-Server Project, Miss Hannah Hitchcock and Miss Jordan Hyman. Ladies, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> So, Huckleberry, you sent me this story last night that they're going through and, and we're trying to find families to adopt servers during the holiday season. I, I, I The only thing I can compare it to locally is it, it'd be, kind of be like Toys for Tots for servers, right? Yeah. Right. Go ahead, ladies. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I just, um, coming from like a small community just around uh, this, the part I live in in Houston, um, there's a lot of places that take in families and everything, but me personally being in the server industry for three years, know that winters are already hard enough as it is that with COVID it's, it's just making it worse and worse. Um, recently with my job, it's, I've got cut down to one shift a week. So it's, it's become really hard. So it's, it's, it's really nice to be able to help families have that Christmas that they should deserve for their families because no one asked for COVID to make us lose jobs. So, well, and I think what's very interesting about this is you look just the numbers uh, across the board here nationally and restaurants themselves. Uh, since you know we've seen the the shutdowns beginning back in March, and and every state is going to have different variations and and how they're going to mandate and regulate how they, you know they see fit in their areas. But across the board, we're talking about an industry that has lost 120 billion dollars in sales. Uh, and that's across the board for the industry. But all that you know at its very core and that trickle down, it, it's being felt very harshly by those frontline employees 
by those servers. Ladies, can you maybe explain a little bit really how this concept works? Uh, maybe where you know someone that wants to contribute, be a part of this thing, where they go, what they can expect to see, what kind of contributions you're looking for? Um, so right now um, we have about 260 members of our group. Um, if you go on Facebook, you just type in adopt a server and it's it says USA, just so it's the it's all of America that can be involved because it's not just one state that has a shutdown. But we're looking for families that want to put a little bit of social distancing to their giving this year, just because it's not easy to go into restaurants and give those huge tips that they want to to a server. But when you do join the page, it's it's a little intense at first, just because what some of these families are going through are. Let me just say the first night of me reading some of these family stories, I cried for like hours just because no one deserves to go through this because as you can ask any server, as much as we say we hate serving and everything, we love our jobs with our passion. We wouldn't we wouldn't serve people if we didn't love it with a, with parts of our heart. So you can um so what we're doing is contributors that do want to donate can join. When they join, we have questions they'll answer if they want to adopt or they want to be adopted. Um, then they just kind of scroll through families. Um, families that have been adopted, they have they have modified their posts to say they've been adopted. But when you go on there, families have either posted ways of payment like PayPal or Cash App or they post the account to whatever bill they need to be paid. Or if it's someone that's just trying to get Christmas presents for the family, you'll find um, Amazon wish list with stuff. I've seen Amazon wish lists that just have like basic groceries and detergent and stuff on there, as well as little kid toys that uh, kids want for Christmas. That's great. Well, now you had mentioned that this movement that you that you've ladies have put together here. This is focusing on a national audience. We've seen similar kind of you know causes movements like this at regional levels. What kind of inspired you to take it to a bigger picture here? So um, with my job getting cut um, cut down so much, whenever Adopt a Server Kentucky used to not just be Kentucky, I had joined and I had asked for some help for. Um, my dog that uh, my mom's been taking care of for a long time and I'm just now getting her back. And so I wasn't financially stable to get her some of her medicines and stuff she needs. So I had families from Kentucky that were just wanting to help Kentucky members help me out with um, my dog. And whenever I noticed the admin of that group, she had started narrowing it down to just Kentucky. So I messaged her and I said, Hey, would you be okay if I made my own group? Uh, but for the USA that I can also promote on here, because I, I noticed you have a lot more people outside of Kentucky that need that help as well. So me and her had talked about it, and we talk every now and then just to make sure there's not people getting double adopted. But I have just as many Kentucky members that are trying to reach out for more help than um, just the small Kentucky page. Well, I think it's so important, you know, you have that, that broader audience there, that larger reach as, you know, in some areas it might not be as populated where those servers are, you know, in just as much as need. And, you know, if someone, you know, on the other side of the country can help them out, I think that's absolutely tremendous. I love the national movement that you have. 
Yeah, my, um, I kind of like learned growing up that it takes a village to make a change. And what I've been, what I've been saying about it lately is we're, we're finding that light at the end of the tunnel because Christmas is supposed to be about spirit, like faith, hope, just having that spirit, that high hope spirits, but with, uh, the pandemic going on right now, it's just really hard. So I'm glad that I'm able to bring light into some people's lives that are getting adopted. Now, you had you had mentioned the payment methods, and you're encouraging individuals, you know, to use wish list, Amazon, things like that, uh, setting up where they can share, you know, Venmo, PayPal sort of options. What kind of security measures have you or other groups taken to make sure that maybe someone's not exploiting the system uh, out there? You know, just trying to, you know. Unfortunately, and especially around this time of year, you see those types of individuals that are just kind of run a scam off the top of something. Yeah, so um, I I constantly put on my page that um, me, since it is finals week for me in school right now, but I do take most of my time and I go through posts and people that are asking for money for bills, um, when if they do get funded, um, they do have to message me, let me know how much they get funded and um, proof that they paid uh, part of that bill or paid off a bill or something like that, just so we have proof that um, the money has been put towards what they were asking for. Uh, that, that sounds great. Uh, I know uh, Jargo over there, he is a bit of a, he's a Grinch. Uh, so I know he's probably got some questions here that he, that he wants to throw out. He's one of those naysayers. Not that he's opposed to anything here, but he's one of those guys. He, he, he's going to find the, uh, the 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 kinks in a in a system here, Jargo. Well, you know, yeah. I, basically, you're just saying I'm an asshole. That's what's going on here. <laughs> just, you, basically, you just called me an asshole, and 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 that's okay, man. I mean. Ladies, I, I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. I absolutely applaud the movement, and I wish you the the absolute best success. I mean, Huckleberry, it's Christmas, man. You're gonna how how can I go and just shit all over this? I mean, come on, come on. I mean, we're gonna talk about the Cowboys here in a little bit. I can shit all over that. Wait. <laughs> But ladies, this is the individual last year that canceled Christmas on his uh, then five-year-old. So I did. It, you know, it's <laughs> I did. She uh, she received a letter from Santa Claus that informed her that she was uh, borderline on the naughty list, and that Santa was going to have to reevaluate in ninety days. So we uh, w- that's what we did. That's what we did. Uh, this year, we're actually um, we're, we're, we're contemplating the idea of moving Christmas back by two weeks because uh, clearly Santa and the reindeer have to quarantine when they enter the states. So, you know, it's going to just kind of push things back a little bit. Is it as an advantage? <laughs> I guess, you know, that kind of brings up a good point here. Uh, ladies, now is how long is this, is the program, the Adopt-A-Server, going to run? Are we just looking through... Uh, the first of the year is something that's going to go into January. Do, do you have any long-term visions here? Um, I do have some long-term visions for it because even after Christmas and everything like that, there are still, I know like deep in my heart, there are still people out there that are willing to help and maybe they can't right now because it is Christmas time. So they have their families. And then when it comes to a time where people do have the money, they do want to give. So I plan on keeping it, um, Keeping it around till I see um, a big difference come in the server industry where people are getting back on their feet and um, they're not struggling as much. And then whenever it does come time to it, we will um, 
bring an end to the group. Now, uh, Hannah, you have with you uh, on the record here, your, your partner in crime to help you got this thing launched and it's kind of helping you kind of guide the way through. Uh, Jordan, what are your overall thoughts and feelings about the early success here and what you're hoping to continue with? Um, honestly, I didn't even know she was starting it um, until a day later uh, when she said, hey, I'm going viral, you know. <laughs> She was very excited about it, and I said, wait, what are you going viral on? I have no idea what you're doing. And uh, she had me look at the page, and I was like, this is such a good good idea. It's such a good movement for the server. You know, I, you know, I'm with her, and she, I go up to her job, and I see the servers, and they struggle sometimes. They end up even crying because they don't bring, up enough, they don't bring home enough money for their families and their children or anything like that. And I feel like her doing this is definitely – giving people that you know giving people faith and giving them that spirit that they need and that they deserve and especially around christmas time because of course you want to make your children happy you want to make your family happy and you know i know money doesn't you know what is it uh the you know what is it about money the whole money and happiness thing that doesn't buy happiness right exactly but it's the fact of seeing you know children's faces bright up when they see that present they're able to open a present um and it's not even about christmas it's even like right now during the pandemic you know they, they're saying that we're going to be probably a part of this covid you know for another year or so and that's going to be hard on a lot of families still small businesses i mean everything so i feel like you know her doing this is showing people that they still have that hope they still have there's still someone out there that is still willing to give even during this pandemic and i and me i've been running the what is it? What do you call me? The grammar police. She calls me the grammar police. So I take a look at all of her posts before she posts them to make sure there, there's nothing that could like offend anyone or that could, you know, give anybody a bad vibe about it. So, um, but yeah, I'm very proud of her. And I think it was a very good idea to do. For now, sure. now, now, ladies, as you're going through these different requests from the potential uh, adopted servers, uh, do you find that, you know, are they asking mainly for maybe Christmas wish list items for their family? Are they looking to take care of bills? Are they just looking for general, uh, a little bit of thing? Is there any scenario that these servers are, are really looking for help in? Um, so it's been kind of like a 50 50. Um, there's 50 percent of it asking for groceries, detergent. Um, there's very little asking for bills or anything. Um, but I've been kind of like encouraging them to do more of Amazon wish list just because it does keep people more feel better donating because they're for sure knowing that the money is going to items. And then the other 50 is families and um, parents just and grandparents uh, that are just really wanting to give their kids that Christmas they deserve. And a lot of it's, um, just like simple things like clothes, socks. Um, I've seen families that have started messaging. They went into private messages and they agreed. And some of them just had hand-me-downs that some parents are still just so thankful for, for at least having their kids have that sense of having something new. Absolutely fantastic. Adopt-A-Server USA is the group on Facebook. Ladies, we absolutely applaud your efforts, and we wish you the best of luck going forward. Um, we, I do have one question for you. We've kind of talked around the pandemic, and, and clearly this is a result of what's kind of the boots-on-the-ground report going on down in Texas. I mean, every time we talk to somebody, I mean, we got people talking to us in Australia and the U.K. and all over the country. What about where you are in Texas? Where are you at as far as the lockdown situation goes? 
Um, so we are, we're not shut down. Um, I know some small businesses had to shut down just because they didn't have enough. They're not making enough over winter to stay open. Um, masks are mandatory at all times, um, except obviously in restaurants. Um, when, when it comes to, um, my sense of restaurant, the owner of Landry's, um, he will not shut down his restaurants for anything unless go unless a president comes into this state and says hey you need to shut down and he will still probably put up a fight but um it's gone down to we've i'm a senior server at um bubba gumps in league city i mean kima and um it's gone down to where i maybe have a single night shift a week to where I used to work doubles on weekends and Sundays, like Friday through Sunday, open to close. And now it's maybe a night a week. I mean, even when you are going to work, how, how have things changed when you go to work? Because I, obviously I think everything has got to be socially distanced. Your sanitation protocols have got to be through the roof. So you're actually doing, you're, you're probably find yourself very much in the same situation I do at work where you're doing three times the amount of work for what seems about half the amount of money. Yep, yes. Exactly. And it's just like, I don't think everyone understands that Everybody else that has gotten pay cuts or um, shit, like they're not working as many hours, it really comes down to at the bottom of the food chain servers because we in Texas only get paid two thirteen an hour. All of our money comes from our tips, so it's like people aren't making enough money. In regular jobs, that comes down on our tips and not being able to tip enough. So it used to be, um, I remember the first weekend we opened back up in May after uh, the big United States shutdown, I was making like six, $700 a weekend. And now it's on a weeknight, I maybe bring home like $20, $30. Ouch. That's rough. Well, best of wishes to you, ladies. Again, it's Adopt a Server USA. Check out the group if you can help. Please do. Ladies, thank you very much for your time. And maybe we'll do a checkup with you guys uh, after the holiday season and kind of see how, where everything stands. Definitely. I would love to do that. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank you, ladies. And uh, best of luck. And I'll be reaching out to you, you know, offline here to, to see what we can continue to do to, to, do to grow. Uh, the awareness and get members to join and, and start really helping people out. All right. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You know, Huckleberry, I, I got to admit, I was a little bit skeptical when, when you had first told me about this entire program. Um, but this is really, really like, this is essential kind of grassroots kind of stuff, you know, like I, I absolutely applaud the hell out of these two girls setting this thing up. Yeah, as I said, you know, it, it seems that this is something that's absolutely – and maybe going in, you, know, you and I didn't really talk about maybe some of your concerns or reservations about what they had going on. Uh, but absolutely, this is something truly from their heart. Uh, Hannah, you know, that she had laid out her story there, that she has a, an extensive background in the food service industry, that she is there on the front line working as a server, and she continues to work her way through schooling and all that. Uh, but yeah, it just, just stretches across the country. You got people right now that, 
you know, just on top of the shutdowns, now that you see winter setting in and harsh weather conditions all across the country, that slows down. That's already an issue for for bars and restaurants. And we're seeing that take place. And now they're, they're looking forward towards the holidays and, you know, maybe just not just, you know, paying bills and putting food on the table, but providing for the family to make sure that, that the kids can have something that, to make them smile, especially in a time of need. So, again, uh, we'll hit on a couple times here more on the show, but Facebook, Adopt a Server USA, they got a lot of uh, great things going on over there. And in the meantime, while the American people actually could use, you know, a stimulus relief, we've got Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell walking around Washington playing grab dick. Absolutely nothing getting done. I expect absolutely nothing to be done inside of uh, this this lame duck session of Congress. Do you? No, I think, you know, why we do have, you know, we've got individuals out there like Hannah and Jordan that, that are actually trying to work towards solutions to to really bring together the citizens of, the, of this great country of ours, uh, we have our leaders there that are simply worried about their agendas. And they're not really here for the people. Uh, they have stopped working for the people for a long time. And unfortunately, when you take something that, that could be as, as pure and innocent as the, the reason of the season and, you know, the just the giving and the love that you do see kind of rise to the surface during the holidays, it, it ultimately gets exploited behind these agendas. And it, it's, it's rather sickening. You know, you talk about agendas and that kind of brings us to this next story about black Friday, the winners and losers of black Friday. Uh, Rick, black Friday is one of my favorite nights of the year to go to work because we, we have all the security cameras outside and I can I can just sit and glance over at the monitor and look at all the cars going by on Highway 100 going towards the mall and Best Buy and Target and Walmart. And normally there's like this whole parade of cars, right? And I can kind of judge how things are going to go for the day just by watching the car traffic at, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I think I saw more cops this year than I saw actual shoppers out. Yeah, we're seeing it across the board you know, where the movement, and I don't know because, you know, in this, there's a number of factors that are going to contribute to why we didn't see the, 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 the madness, if you will, that we are, have really grown used to on Black Fridays is because now they have, they haven't completely eliminated the in-store experience. They've just expanded it. We're seeing a continuation of Black Fridays really through throughout the course of the month, starting before Thanksgiving, right up till Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, where they're going to have those different deals, you know, available in store so that there still is that option. Uh, but now we've seen absolutely the incredible boom. You know, we've been talking about it for a while. We've been waiting for it. It's finally here. Number two day all time for online sales. And that was what took place this Black Friday. Does that really surprise anybody, though? I mean, with because I mean, granted, there's the COVID restrictions, you know, there's the social distancing. You've got the the stores themselves aren't necessarily opening as early. We're seeing them stretch out Black Friday deals. Some hell, some of them started in October. Right. But now they're clearly run all the way through November. Like you said, they'll run all the way through December. So there's just not that urgency to get out on Black Friday anymore. But I, I feel like it was trending this way anyway. Well, you know, really going back into the spring, though, when we had 
extensive conversations about this. It was taken quite a bit. You had seen where, you know, people really expected that major boom in e-commerce online purchases. It wasn't necessarily there. People just weren't spending. I don't know if that was, a you know, during that time, it was maybe more of a fear factor, the unknown of what the immediate future would hold, what the summer would look like, how long these, these lockdowns would, would last. People were just truly worried then. It's been so many months now. We are heading into the holiday season, which means the buying season. And people are just trying to, you know, to get back to that normalcy. But yeah, now these, you know, your different outlets here, they've just found other, and I I really believe more constructive ways to get their products out in the long run. Now that they've been forced to adjust, I think they're going to see that this is more prosperous for them. They're going to see much more, financial gain from it. And I don't think we're ever going to go back to the other way where we're seeing that madness. We're talking about the goodwill of the holidays and we would kick that season off by the absolute just melee of what Black Friday was. This year, digital sales up 21.5% year-over-year growth, $5.1 billion. And Black Friday, online sales $9 billion, 21.6% up from last year. It's pretty impressive, man. And I i mean, I've been all over the online shopping thing for a while. Like the only reason I have Amazon Prime is for the shipping. I always forget that if they have the, the digital video service that I can actually watch stuff on, I just have it for the shipping. I mean, it pays for itself over the year. Well, I, you know, and then the different services as well, which has been tremendously successful for a number of these outlets is the, you know, the pre-order and pickup. Yeah. You pull right up. You got your time to pull up to their their loading area. The employees put it right in the car for you, and you're on your way. And this is something they've been implementing for here for a couple of months. Uh, when you couldn't get in the Best Buy, they've been they've been doing it probably for a couple of months, and it, it's an incredible service. I mean, it, there's tremendous ease with it. And now, as more as we move towards the the ease of using the internet and online shopping just from our mobile devices, from your handhelds, your phones. Uh, you look at the spike in sales just through those devices alone. It's it's incredible. Where you know in the past people felt, and I don't know if it was maybe, it was just an easy feeling. You, you felt more protected going to, to sit down on the laptop or your home system. Now people are just so on the go. We got the easy pays and all that. Just you know in your handheld, it's completely revolutionizing. You know how we're seeing the the retail world being utilized. So we've talked about, you know, the service industry today. We've talked about the brick and mortar stores. There's one other industry that is absolutely hurting. And that, of course, is the airline industry. Huckleberry, this is my favorite story of the week. And probably for a different reason than you may think. But there's a British flight attendant selling her undergarments on, on airplane flights. Willing to provide adult entertainment during the flight. Stripper planes? Hell yeah, man. Sign me up for this. I I, I am not a flyer, but, you know, I might have to consider it. I was going to say, was this going to persuade you maybe to uh, give the friendly the friendly uh, skies another chance? I mean, I, I, I'm sure I can find, like, you know, airplane porn, you know, but. You well, know. Or I guess, you know, this could be an entire theme for an airline here. As you're right, they are struggling, you know, just trying to even convince 
uh, you know, their regulations to let them get it back up to near capacity just so it just made sense for them financially to open up flights as the country continues to need to move. You know, we're not really we're not flying the friendly skies anymore. We're, we're flying those friendly thighs. You had this, this flight attendant here who is offering to to you could purchase what flight worn undergarments. Correct. So you can yep. get bras, panties, things like that. Uh, then she goes as, as far to offer personal meetings while she's on a layover or even the, the mile high program is what it sounds like here. Yeah, that, she, that's uh, very much how it sounded to me, too. An in-flight experience like no other uh, is what the advertisements were reading here. You know, I, I what I really wanted to focus on was these people selling like undergarments and stuff, right? Like I saw this morning, B. Priestley is selling her in-ring worn like gear that she she's been wearing for stardom, the green with like the black and white checkerboard outfit, and she's like selling it on eBay. She's up to like four hundred dollars for this one piece of gear, and it's just like, who the fuck would buy that? I I, I I don't understand. Hey, there are potential buyers out there for anyone. We've heard all of these stories, you know, from just names in professional wrestling that are out there just selling their BMs. I just you know, drop drop me a DM for my BM. You know, they are getting top dollar here uh, for yeah for a uh, number two. That's what we're talking about. I mean, are we talking about Jersey Mike? Is is that what what we're talking about here? Are we talking oh, about blast, Mike? blast from the past? Yeah, I, I thought about him the other day, wondering what the hell happened to him, but that was in just in passing. And then I went on with were, my day. Were, were you dropping a, a BM while you were thinking about Jersey Mike? Hey, you know though, we're talking about you know you've got these women in wrestling, and it's across the board. I'm sure it's in all forms of entertainment. And it's not and, just the women, man. There's there's a lot of the guy wrestlers that are selling their in ring worn gear now too. Well, I do want to give a little piece of advice out there. You know, as, as we do, as we evolve here on the Hitting the Marks podcast, and, and we are of more worldly topics now. And when we talk a lot of business issues and that, that big business versus small business mentality and the fight back and forth that we see here, uh, just a little bit of advice for everybody out there. You know, buying girls only, only fans versus the, uh, the pub hub is the equivalent of supporting a small business versus a big corporation. So look at your friends' buttholes instead of strangers this holiday season. On that note, let's take a break. Ho, ho, happy Hameen holidays. As 2020 winds down with over 2.2 million downloads, the Hameen army marches into 2021 with sights set on 3 million downloads and beyond. We'd like to thank you, the listeners and sponsors, for following and supporting us on all of Hameen Media Group affiliate channels as we continue to provide the very best variety of entertainment anywhere. Pro wrestling, movie reviews, TV show reviews, news, sports, conspiracy, and satire. We have everything for your listening or viewing pleasure. Add Hami Media to all your favorite audio and video platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, 
iHeart, Twitch, and YouTube are just some of the many ways you can get your fill of all of the HMG content. And speaking of getting your fill, if you're cooking this holiday season, there's only one olive oil to use in all your delicious delectable dishes, Zordos Artisan Greek Ultra Premium Olive Oil. This olive oil is not only the perfect ingredient for your festive feast, but Zordos Olive Oil makes the perfect gift for any foodie or fan of fantastic food. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com and taste what the term ultra premium means. Now, after a good meal or to kickstart your morning, what's better than a cup of bro, bro? The Coffee Brosters Russo's brand coffee is better than your average cup of joe, bro. When checking out at thecoffeebrosters.com, use the promo code BRO5LB for a special price on a five pound bag of Russo's brand coffee. This deal is too good to pass up on, bro. Did somebody say deal? Well, Stevie Richards and ForceUSA.com have a deal for you. Are you looking to build a better you? How about the best custom home gym you can imagine? ForceUSA delivers sturdy, innovative and versatile strength training equipment for home gyms and training studios alike. Enter promo code Stevie5 for a special 0% financing offer at checkout. Also check out StevieRichardsFitness.com for a fantastic affordable resistance band training program and yoga program choose from the 12 and 16 week program as well as a dynamic yoga program that will get you ready to burn off those calories after those huge holiday meals if you're interested in a band new you for 2021 and years to come stevie kick start your health with stevie richards fitness.com prowrestlingtees.com celebrate all of the homie media personalities and independent pro wrestling stars by giving the gift of of or grabbing up for yourself the coolest merch any wrestling fan desires. Again, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and support indie wrestling today. Hey, infidels, do you want to become a Hami Media Group operative? Then follow us at Hami Media Group on Twitter and request a link to our private Discord channel. You can also find us on Facebook at Hami Media Discussion Group and interact with all of the HMG personalities as well as joining in on the fun discussions, watch events and games you can also follow us on instagram to like comment and participate on all of the hmg and conspiracy horseman propaganda once again thank you to all of the subscribers followers sponsors guests producers and host of hami media as we march to three million downloads all of this is possible because of you <laughs> Much love to MSG. Kind of missing MSG on Facebook. Not that I'm on Facebook enough, you know, to actually really interact with anybody. You know, Carly got thrown off Facebook. Like well, say, MS, MSG removed himself. Yeah, he didn't like the, the way everything was going with the regulations. Uh, Carly was completely gone. She she got the ban, or she just in Facebook jail? Well, no, she can't get into her account. Oh, just a lockout. Yeah, she's like completely locked out of her account for like no explicable reason. So, and she was just like, oh, well, that sucks. And like that, that was just the end of Carly on, on Facebook. You know, so now that she's not on Facebook, I, I, I just never log into it. Well, you know, we've got big news for MSG. Congratulations, they're in store. A uh, big announcement came out this week as he's doing tremendous things, you know, on top of just relocating to to Denver with that tremendous new job that he's got there. Uh, continue to rock and roll at HMG. He's going to be working with the legendary tag team wrestler Stevie Ray. 
on some podcast projects. Good stuff. Good stuff. Proud of that kid. Uh, Huckleberry, before we get into the sports stuff this week, we got to talk about this the, the Santa story that you sent me. Socialist versus Santa. Um, the, the social worker put out this Facebook now, post. Th- now that's a sci-fi movie. <laughs> Socialist versus Santa. Oh, man. I could, I could, I could actually see it now. Uh, th- this is actually from 2017. Did you realize that? This is three years old. Wow, you know, I, I didn't realize it was that dated as it is something I could see being a a tremendous hot button even today. And really, I, I had seen this a couple of weeks back, and I wanted to save this to the holiday season. I was going to save it maybe for a week or so as we get closer to actually you know, whatever holiday you you celebrate there at the end of the month. But as we grew, grew closer to that time, I was going to save this thing, but I've actually seen this thing picking up some steam on Facebook where certain individuals in some of the groups that I frequent or even on my own timeline or my own feed, news feed, are actually kind of echoing the same sentiment that this author, this social worker inside of this this letter is sharing. Megan Dunn is is her name. She says, I cannot stress this enough. Stop telling your Santa age kids that their iPads and iPhones and $200 toys are from Santa. I'm yelling because she typed it in all caps. Because some families can't afford that. Little kids wonder why they got socks or a coat or a hand-me-down toys from Santa and other kids got an iPad. This is the second year that I've had a parent cry telling me that their kid asked why they weren't good enough or if Santa don't like them as much. Breaks my heart for the parents and the kids. So take credit for the gift. Santa didn't buy that iPad. Mommy or daddy did. Leave the less expensive gifts from Santa. Be blessed that you can afford what others cannot. Merry Christmas. Now, Rick, I have Santa age kids. We, 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 we've talked about this a little bit off air. I don't think Quinn has ever given one even ounce of a shit the name on the from line. She just cares about the name on the to line by, by you know, 1230 on Christmas afternoon. She doesn't remember what was from Sienna and what was from her parents. She doesn't give a shit. She just wants to play with her fucking toys. You know, really reading reading through this, saying you know, you have Quinn there in the house, and, and you know, I'm very close with my nephews who are of Santa age. And I initially had read this thing. My first thought, first emotion, well, was that of of a bit of outrage and anger. Uh, but then, you know, I took that step back. I, I kind of try to examine it from all the different angles and perspectives there. And I got to tell you, I've really gone through a gauntlet of emotion when it comes to the sentiment that's, that's trying to be shared here. Uh, But I still think at the top of that list really is a little bit of that outrage. And, And it's simply here because this again, to me is another opportunity to try to use shaming. And this could either be financial shaming, class shaming, whatever, however you want to, kind of detail this thing. Uh, but again, it, it comes down to trying to push an agenda. You know, we just had you know, the ladies on from adopt a server where that is a true goodness from the heart. And, you know, that is something that, that I think we need more of in our society. That is, we're putting out some facts here. 
we're, we're letting you know these details. There are people actually struggling under cer- certain circumstances. Uh, that's completely opposed to this, where they're just trying to use shame tactics, which is absolutely disgusting to me. Uh, so in, instead of, again, this comes back to the bigger issue in our society where we're running with the back of the pack. So instead of trying to take a situation like this where, yeah, you know, that it is a, it is a truth. Some kids, they're going to come from, let's go ahead and say it, maybe financially better off families. I don't want to say better off because we don't know really emotionally how the structure is at home, but financially better off. They're going to get the perceived better gifts and they're going to come under the assumption that this is all part of, you know, the, the Santa Claus ploy. Uh, but instead of being ashamed or pointing the finger and chastising those individuals, shouldn't those on the lesser end take this as an opportunity and a learning experience to instill stronger and better values in their own children? You would think. You would think. You know, man, I, the whole Santa thing just bugs me to begin with. Well, you know, just, just quickly, just, you know, instead of you know, explaining having to come to the truths of why, you know, Johnny down the street got the PlayStation five. Why aren't you reinforcing the values of maybe you did get socks? You know, maybe you, you got a lesser of a toy, but you reinforce the values of the importance behind that. Or, you know, I, I know how, you know, what, you know, tight your family is Jargo. You know, it's more about with you guys getting together and spending quality time than any of the possessions, really. Yep. Where where have we lost that sight? And now this running with the back of the pack sort of deal. I mean, what what is next that you that we have a universal spending limit on holidays just so that someone doesn't feel left out? Like everything's going to turn into Secret Santa with a twenty five dollar limit. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole Santa thing just kind of annoys me to begin with. Um, so last year we, we, we canceled Christmas. We, we, you know, we, we got, Quinn was being a little shit all year. And so Santa wrote her a letter and basically explained to her, Hey, you're, you're on 90 day probation. We're, we're not doing, we're not delivering any presents to your house on Christmas this year. You've kind of been a little brat and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reevaluate things. And, you know, guess what? She's been a hell of a lot better this year. So this year I'm thinking, you know, we may just have to push Christmas off a little bit. So, you know, rather than celebrating it on the, on the 26th or 25th, whatever day Sydney's going to be here so that we would do the Christmas thing, you know, maybe we do it like two weeks later because, you know, we can't let Santa and the elves into the freaking house to deliver Christmas presents. They got to quarantine for two weeks first. See, use it the Santa scare tactic. Man, we, we, we do it with, with all of them, really, because I remember when uh, Justice and Sydney were little. Uh, so we, we, we did this whole thing where Oswald uh, decided that he wanted to fight the Easter Bunny. And and so, like, when it came to their Easter baskets, we just, like, stood in, in the main doorway and threw their baskets into the fucking apartment. And the shit kind of went everywhere. Yeah, because, you know, the Easter Bunny uh, and Oswald, they just don't get along. It's tremendous. Yeah, and, you know, back to one of the original points here. This is another one of those things where these people with these agendas, it, it really doesn't matter in the big picture. As it's you not said, about the kids. The kids don't fucking care. As you said, you know, with, with Quinn, it's 
she doesn't matter who's on the from line. It's on the two line. Right. And it really, it, even in the letter itself, that parents are crying over this, which I'm guessing uh, the kid might have asked an innocent question and the parents completely, you know, it takes something as simple as innocent as from the mouth of babes and, and turn it into this much larger issue than it truly is. You know, going back to our own childhoods, I never remember having conversations with friends about that. No, I, I've never once have heard. It my was, nephew, what did you get for Christmas? Oh, yeah, I got I, this, 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 and that. What did you get for Christmas? Oh, I got this, 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 and that. Not well. Sienna gave me this, and then my mom and dad gave me this, and Grandpa and Grandma gave me this, and my sister gave me this. No, you don't go through any of that shit because you don't fucking remember because you didn't fucking care. You care about the two line, not the from line. Well, it, it you know also inside of that, it, just outside of you know any time where you're when gifts are presented. You're going to have that as a child when you see someone else got something else. And maybe back then when we were, you know, get older, it was the, the Super Nintendo or something like that. But you, you didn't have where they're, they're trying. To, I never went and asked a question of, you know, why this individual got this or something along those lines. It's more about, you know, the parents instilling the appreciate what you got sort of mentality. Right. So, but, you know, with the kids, again, we had, you know, a nephew Noah his birthday was back during the shutdown. We didn't celebrate it for six weeks until afterwards. Right. He never knew what day it was. He didn't ask questions about it. Right. Ridiculous. You know, I got a Christmas present the other day, Huckleberry. I got to watch Mike Tyson in a fight. It felt like fucking Christmas, man. You know, I, I, I told myself I'm not going to get excited. I'm not going to get excited. Something could go awful, awfully wrong, and this fight doesn't even happen. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But as it kept getting closer, and the card started, and I'm watching boxing, and I'm, and I'm knowing I'm going to get to watch Tyson fight later. I kind of felt like a little kid on Christmas, man. It, it was like the return of Iron Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah, and Roy Jones Jr., too. But the return of Iron Mike Tyson. Dude, I was pumped. I was into this thing. Did you watch Tyson versus Jones? Absolutely. I, I'm on board with you here. And, you know, I, I got a, I caught a lot of heat on this thing because, I, you know, I was out there on social media and I was putting out there because you, you seen people really getting excited about this thing. And I didn't want them to kind of get overly excited and then ultimately disappointed. I want them to understand what was happening here. And in doing so, oh, you're just hating on this thing. No, absolutely not. This was an absolute spectacle inside of itself. I didn't need this to be some kind of, you know, certified, legitified, go out there boxing bout. This is what it was. This was a spectacle. It absolutely delivered for me. Uh, I know they're getting a lot. Of, oh, they look, they look bad. They're gassed. They're in their 50s. They haven't been in there professionally in how long? And I don't care either one. You know, for us, yes, the, the nostalgia, the mystique, it's all around Tyson there. But this, you bring in, you know, Jones Jr., you're bringing in different generations. You're, you're getting that excitement across the board. Well, I mean, the thing for me with Roy Jones Jr., he's only been out of it for like three years. You know, so it, it doesn't feel like he's been out of it for like, I don't have the nostalgia for him I, that I, I have for Mike Tyson, where it's been 15 years since the last time he was in the ring. Well, I think, you know, there, there's a little bit of a different mystique there with Jones is because the sport of boxing has been so off the radar for so long. Yeah. It, you know, in three years, it seems like 
it's so much longer. And Jones Jr. really is that, you know, at least for me, he's that last memory of some great boxing when, when the masses truly cared. Especially heavyweight boxing. I mean, because, you know, I mean, like really kind of at that same time, I mean, you had Floyd, but I mean, Floyd wasn't a heavyweight and Floyd fights. You didn't have to work. I was never going into a fight thinking Floyd's going to knock this motherfucker out. You know what well, I mean? And it's, it's that, it's that bigger marketing pitch. It's, it's that larger audience. Those that, you know, that truly, and, and obviously he's one of the greatest of all time that, but that were going to continue to be there and buy into boxing and, and support Floyd. They were purist. Yeah. They were there for the fine art of boxing. Now, the masses, that's not what sells here. You know, we talk about this regularly inside of professional wrestling. There is a major issue with, you know, you've got fans living in the bubble. Then you've got smarks inside the bubble. And then those in the business that are inside the bubble of the bubble. Right. And you don't see that broader picture, that that wider scope and that bigger audience that you're trying to pull in. You absolutely have that here with these two. I've seen some of the most recent numbers as they continue to to make their way through the the news sheets and all that. I mean, we're talking about record breaking, record shattering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going into the fight, they figured they had 5 million buys at 50 bucks a pop. Holy shit. And, you know, really, I, I thought it was gonna be much higher in this. Cause and that's one of the reasons I went out there and I shared, Hey, you know, a lot of people get excited for this thing. Still be excited. Anything that is involving Mike Tyson, anything could potentially happen here. You, you don't know what's going to go down. This thing is going to be wild. It is a must-see a must sporting spectacle. But, you know, so just buyer beware. Make sure you know what you're getting into. I thought it, I thought this thing was going to go off, you know, $70 plus. I really got to say, at 50 bucks. this was a kind of a steal. Yeah. No, I was down with it. I was down with it. Uh, what I was not down with was your co-main event. Uh, Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Um, Nate Robinson had no business being in that ring. And even more so, here's a hot take for you. He won that fight. Um, Jake Paul clubbed him in the back of the fucking head for the first goddamn knockdown. And Robinson was out of it from that moment on. Paul should have been disqualified. If, if that would have been a real like boxing match, Jake Paul would have been disqualified. Um, but now Jake Paul is out and he's running his mouth because that's what he does. And he's looking for his next fight, of course. Huckleberry, this just seems logical to me. It's got to be Mike Tyson. Like I, I want Mike Tyson to get into a fucking ring with Jake Paul and just beat the ever-loving fucking shit out of this kid. I sit there. I, I is that where the real money's at, though? We're talking about that bigger picture. Well, dude, you're talking uh, about a, a, a guy with millions of followers on YouTube and versus Mike Tyson? like, And the generational, like, I'm going to take this young boy out behind the fucking woodshed and whip his ass, or no, I'm going to retire Mike Tyson? Like, I, you could absolutely sell the fucking shit out of this fight. I, I get to say I want to I do some, some hard market research on this thing to, to really find out the, the, the key rating of... You know the, the YouTube sensation, uh, and see it, it weigh the risk here. Do you do something like this where you do have someone that necessarily doesn't really belong in there, and maybe could get one of those blows that we had seen here, uh, and end this money train that is Tyson? I mean, don't you want to protect that for a little bit while? 
The other one I'm hearing is the potential of a July fight between Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield in Saudi Arabia. And you know, if it wasn't for WWE, I would think that was bullshit. But I could absolutely see the crown prince paying for Mike Tyson versus Evander Holyfield in Radia, Saudi Arabia. I could totally hey, see that happening. Hey, what were we joking about before we even took to the to the record this afternoon? Uh, you know, what would be the next moves here for Vince? I thought, hey, you know, let's take this to Saudi. They're going to be all over this thing. We got Tyson in some of the best shape that he's been in in his life. You know, you know, since the younger years when he was just dominating the boxing world. Let's get him out there. We know Michaels will come for the payday. We know Triple H will be there. Get Stone Cold on board. Let, let's go relive WrestleMania. Let's take it to Saudi. Hey, you know, maybe we spin it. You, you had the boxing match. You put Stone Cold over in Tyson's camp. You put DX over there with Holy with Holyfield. You sell this bad boy all the way around. Money to be had. Another tie-in with professional wrestling. We were talking about this last week in the Monday locker room. The, the work a worker's got to work, right? We'll get right back to that. Jericho should be everywhere Tyson is right now. Yes. Just, yes. just egging it on. Just egging it on and it just it just playing the antagonist damn well knowing that he doesn't want any part of it. it this thing could potentially never happen. You know, let Tyson get a couple things under his belt, then maybe bring it to the table. Jericho needs to be out working this thing. WrestleMania 14. Um, that might be my favorite match of all time. Like, it's definitely not the greatest match of all time, but that might be my favorite match of all time. See, you get hung up on those technical aspects of it here. The greatest matches of all time, you know, you know, I'm about the show. I'm about the personas, and it should be about what it means to a direction, not just of the company, but the business. I it's hard to argue. My thing is watching that match, knowing what I know now, about Sean's condition going into that match and watching the things that he does in that match with his back in the shape that it is in is it might be the single best sports entertainment performance that I've ever seen. Like the matches with Undertaker were clearly better. They were clearly a bigger spectacle, like all of that. But as far as like one guy's gutsy ass performance, HBK that night, and he put over Austin. I mean, that that that's the the Austin era has begun. You, you had mentioned, you know, the tie-in with the Undertaker there. Maybe Sean's performance was persuaded by what we know now that Undertaker sitting back there, gorilla with his fist tape. <laughs> in, in case Sean doesn't want to go out there and play nice with Austin, well, out and, there on the grandest stage of them all. But you know, even to go into that, you know, Jargy said this is the the the, the true crowning of Austin of yeah. the of stone cold taking, taking the reins, becoming not just the face of, of WWE, but what would become the face of professional wrestling. And then you throw in that wild card, that spectacle, that ultimate draw in Mike Tyson. I mean, still in a world, you know, the curtain fully pulled back Tyson involved there. You yeah. still, you had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, man. Let me, real quick, and real quick. Boy, off here. I, you know what? I don't, I don't know if Tyson actually slugged HBK at the end of that thing, or if like that was any kind of a worked punch, but if it was, 
if it was a work punch, Sean sold the fucking shit out of it because he was out like 10 fucking G's. <laughs> I, I got into this conversation. I can't recall the, the group I was in. Uh, obviously a pro wrestling discussion group on Facebook, but they had posed the question who had the biggest impact as a celebrity crossover into the world of professional wrestling. And the two, which rightfully so right there at the top of the list, Dennis Rodman or Mike Tyson. See, I wouldn't have even put Rodman in that conversation. I thought you were going to say, was it Mike Tyson or Mr. T? Uh, I think they were talking, you know, in the modern era at that time. But I, I mean, yeah, I mean, Rodman had a tremendous impact. But to me, there is no question of what it meant to change the, the entire direction of professional wrestling to have Mike Tyson involved there. Oh, man, that call of Jim Ross's when they got into it on that episode of Monday Night Raw, Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, but that shit will live forever. Like you can remember that Rodman was part of the NWO, but you don't remember like a specific moment. Tyson and Austin, that shit'll live forever. What I think a lot of the individuals that were trying to make, you know, make claims for Rodman, they were living through the recent retelling of the Last Dance. Last Dance, yeah, where it really brought to light, you know, what it meant for him to be there, and you know, right in the midst of the finals, and here you go. Uh, one of your starting all-stars is showing up on Nitro. But, uh, yeah, both both did, you know, tremendous crossovers and great impacts for professional wrestling. Uh, but I, I don't know if if there's ever been one that is greater than than what Mike Tyson had meant in that moment. And it all came together a perfect storm, you know, not yep. just to give all the credit there to Tyson. It, it was the absolute perfect storm. You're talking about that call with JR. That's one of those, when you do professional wrestling right, that fan base will lose themselves. We didn't just believe. We didn't just emotionally invest. We bought in with everything we had. And Vince was very important in that angle too. When Vince starts screaming at Austin after the entire thing is basically over and Austin's on the outside and Vince is just screaming at him, you ruined it. You ruined it. And it was just like, man, did, did, did Stone Cold really like? Did, did did he go off script? Like, did he flip the double bird to Tyson? And Tyson was like, "No, fuck you, man!" Like, did something really go wrong here? The the, the sell job on everybody's accord was just freaking masterful. And Absolute, then un- unfortunately, lost art. Unfortunately, right around you know, Royal Rumble is when Undertaker and Sean had that fucking casket match. Undertaker put Sean over the top. Sean comes down back first onto the corner of the casket and it ends up costing him four years of his freaking career. You know, crazy. Absolutely crazy. This, if they ever sat down, you, you talk about a, a table for three episode. Oh man. Yeah. That's it's such a great story. Great story. Um, I, I was going to go off about the Vanderbilt kicker, but we'll save that for next week because Boy, do I got some shit to say about that. But I want to wrap things up this week with the NFL playoff outlook. Um, Huggleberry got things are starting to shake out a little bit. And of course, we're going to have seven teams in both conferences make the playoffs this year. As I look at the AFC, I guess uh, there's one question that really kind of stands out. 
because there's two teams that stand out. You have the Steelers at 10 and 0, you have the Chiefs at 10 and 1, and then you've got everybody else. Titans, Bills, Browns all at 8 and 3, Dolphins, Colts at 7 and 4, Ravens and Raiders both at 6 and 5. Ravens on the outside looking in at this point. Who would have had that on your 2020 bingo card? But it's really it's Steelers and Chiefs. That's the game that everybody wants to see. The Steelers are undefeated, but does anybody other than Cracker Track Brown actually think that they're better than the Chiefs? Hey, I, you know what? To be honest with you, and I, you know, here in in Ohio, just down, you know, just one state over down the road, we we do have a great deal of Steelers fans. So I talk with them on the regular, and you know, just even with them in the AFC North, get a just a great deal of news involving the team. I could absolutely make a case and see scenarios where the Steelers can go out there and and not just beat but dominate the Chiefs. I don't think this is a clear cut as as you would believe, Jargo. I just don't and, see it. Well, one of the biggest things here that I think is ultimately important, and not so much for the Steelers, but this home field. Uh, the Chiefs, I I really do not like on the road going into Pittsburgh. But on the other side of that coin, I believe that the Steelers, you know, this franchise has always been built, you know, for those road games. They're going to come get you. They love that underdog role. I think that they could go in the Arrowhead and steal a win. Especially uh, when Arrowhead's not really Arrowhead this year. Absolutely. I mean, you got to take that all into consideration here. The Steelers team, they, they are playing incredible football. They're hitting on all cylinders. And obviously the same could be said for the Chiefs. You know, they had that one just little hiccup there against the Raiders. And I think that really what they took home from that has made them so much stronger. This is an incredible showdown. Hopefully you get for the AFC championship game, no matter where they play this thing. I think it's going to be an incredible football game. And, you know, across, you know, what we usually look at for your TV and your advertising dollar, we could be talking record for, you know, a a playoff round. The game I was looking forward to on Thanksgiving, well, it got postponed until Sunday. And then it got postponed until Monday. And then it got postponed until Tuesday. And now, Huckleberry, it's supposed to happen on Wednesday. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I don't even care anymore. Like, I am just – I. I'm so over this moving games around, but you know, like we're, we're not going to adapt for the Broncos who don't even have a freaking quarterback on their goddamn roster at this point. Like it, it just seems so all over the freaking board, like with what they want to do just so they can kiss television's ass. Well, ultimately, isn't that the end all be all? I mean, this is, I mean, the the TV, the almighty television network is the god to these professional sports leagues. I mean, even if they had had to play in these empty arenas, obviously, I mean, you are leaving so much financially on the table. But the NFL especially is set up where it could survive, just not survive, but thrive just through these television deals. They can play in empty stadiums and make money. That's why they're bending over to appease these networks here. And you're setting yourself up, you know, for, and it's just not inside of, this week's programming, you're looking at potentially down the road what it's going to mean for those television ratings and those advertising dollars. I mean, as we just run through these AFC standings, you're the Chiefs. You sure as hell want the Ravens to have an opportunity to be at their very strongest to potentially take down the Steelers. 
if you're the Ravens, you're in that fan base and how much they have grown and how exciting and what they mean to television and advertising, you certainly want them to be getting into that playoff scenario. It's it's just the, it's the facts of how things are going to play out here. Denver, tremendous fan base and all that, but let's be honest, it, it, they're not in contention for anything right now. Even at full strength, I mean, was there a, a lot of concern that you know of, of them going and knocking off the Saints there? I thought it was crazy that Drew Locke was worth twelve points to Vegas. Like when 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 it was came out that Drew Locke was not playing and the, they were promoting a. a practice team wide receiver who played quarterback at Wake Forest in college to be their starting quarterback that was worth 12 points in Vegas's eyes incredible yeah I thought so too let's take a look at the pathetic ass NFC Saints on top at nine and two Seahawks at eight and three Packers at eight and three and then your number four seed as it stands right now, the New York Football Giants at four and seven. Yeah, we're gonna come back and talk about that. Then at number five, you have the Rams at seven and four, Bucks at seven and five, Cardinals holding on to the seventh spot at six and five. Outside looking in, Vikings five and six, Bears five and six, 49ers five and six, and the Detroit Lions who just fired their coach because they're so shitty, still in this thing at four and seven. Rick, this is freaking embarrassing. This is exactly why I was against moving the seven teams, making the playoffs, and just going with the first two teams having the bye weeks. Are you kidding me? That six and five? We're gonna have we're gonna have a playoff team that might not even be 500 or in the NFC East. I say, you know, it's, it's just a bit weird and really talking about it now out loud. I, again, it just reconfirms. Oh. I, I, I kind of forgot about it. I've kind of pushed it to the back of my mind. The, the expansion here in the playoffs doing zero for me. Oh, hey, you know, it's uh, again, when we talk about the, you know, we're talking about the giants four and seven, <laughs> Just uh, this entire the entire you know NFC East a complete embarrassment, but you got to beat who's in front of you, and this is the system. We, we've seen this not so long ago. Where it's it's funny to think it you know the great Seahawks teams that we had that when they really got going, they made the playoffs at seven and nine, not just making the playoffs because they had won the West, were able to host the Saints, and they got a win in that first round. The New at, York at Football Giants are four and seven. The Washington professional football team, formerly known as the Redskins, four and seven. The Eagles might be in the best position of all of these teams because they're three, seven, and one. That tie might actually be what decides the NFC East. And then you have the Cowboys not out of it at three and eight. Three and eight. But, Rick, the, the, the real story here, if the Giants win this division and they are the four seed and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finish in second place to the Saints in the South and get the five seed, do you trust Tom Brady to go into New York 
and beat the New York football giants? Because I don't. Uh, it's it's going to make for an interesting story. Uh, the you know, one demon of Tom Brady's career, the New York football giants. Well, I'd say, you know, didn't have so much luck down there in South Beach with the Dolphins either. They, they, they were kind of that, that nagging splinter that always would try to, you know, would causing problems. But, yeah, when you think about that career, you know, going for perfection, immortality, and the giants step in your way. And time and time again, they've had the issues there. I think it was going to be very intriguing. Let's let's say that that game goes down, all the reports and scandal. The tabloids are going to be all over this thing that Bilicek is has gone back and he is secretly working with with the Giants, oh my God. helping them put together a game plan here to take down Big Game Brady. Overall, you know, I don't know how much faith I have in the Buccaneers right now. It just seems that they are so hit and miss all over the place. Yeah. You know what? I, I've come to a realization. There might be something going on with Raymond James Stadium. You know, Tom Brady has thrown nine picks in Raymond James Stadium this year. Jameis threw like 30 picks last year, and everybody was like, well, Jameis Winston sucks. Well, now Tom Brady's down there throwing mad picks too. Like, could it be something going on with Raymond James Stadium, whether it be like, you know, the backdrop, like we know in the NBA, different players shoot better in different arenas. You know, is it something with the fucking pirate ship? Is like Johnny Depp haunting the place? Like what what the hell is going on the, in Tampa? Uh, the the, uh, the curse of Trent Dilfer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The pirates in the pewter pants. Good shit. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com, or the affiliate channel, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. That's where you'll find us. Huckleberry, I got nothing else to plug. I'm going to be sitting down with uh, Mr. John Enright next week. We're going to do a recap of World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors to get ready for the final before we jump on the big road to the Tokyo Dome. You can find me on the Cage Theory podcast this past week because, you know, I'm a podcasting whore, and if you ask me to do your show, I'll watch like three weeks worth of fucking television to get ready for it. What do you got going on this week, Huckleberry? Hey, to touch base real quick there on Tag League. Uh, I am getting caught up on the action going on inside the ring, but one of the greatest attractions for me, you know, RBV Fitness, the foodie, the foodaholic that I am. One of my favorite followers for Tag League, if you're not, not on board with it, go follow uh, Chase. Chase Owens on social media. He's sharing a lot of his, his grub and delicious delights right there around the Tokyo Dome uh, through social media. He's, he's got some unique eats and just uh, some really really tantalizing looking stuff that he's got going on so I, that's what i that i found interesting so far in tag league uh, again want to thank hannah and jordan from adopt the server uh, a tremendous cause they've got going on again you can you can partake about the you know with this, what's going on help contribute head on over to facebook simple search adopt the server usa again it's adopt the server usa and before I get out of here, I'd like to bring up, you know, one major talking point that Jargo just, I, I'm, I'm sure he forgot to put it on this week's run, but not just the greatest animated show of all time, one of the greatest television shows of all time. Harvey Birdman, but, attorney at law? No, 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 no. The Simpsons, baby. The, the, the Kings. 
They're the ones that set the bar this past week. They took a trip to one of the greatest cities in the world, Cincinnati, Ohio. Some of our tremendous landmarks made the show, but most importantly, some of that skyline chili, baby. Cincinnati style strong. You know it, baby. Keep up with me across social media at the real RBV. I just assume everybody in Cincinnati looks like a member of the Simpsons. You're all walking around with jaundice from eating too much of that damn Cincinnati skyline chili. That's what I think's going on. We'll talk to you next week right back here hittingthemarks.com. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. Yeah.